0: I've been trying everything this week. I did control, I did green, I did uh I brought back Wyatt Darby's old Pro Tour list. i updated that. And ultimately I've just done best, best with Logan Nettles this list. So
1: they off the top. He's done the math,
2: oh, he's fenced in draws, extends the hand, there it is. John Pickle wins. What's going on? He can't attack is he did it? Oh, oh that costs no. the, oh, no. the game! That causes the game! What is come on, on top of the deck? What is on top of the deck? Yeah.
3: Ah!
0: Hello everyone and welcome to episode 8 of Cued the Podcast. I am Brad Egerton. Here with me is Sean Hughes and Matt. Matt Dimitruc. There you go.
2: He likes to just go by Matt now. Kind of like Prince. (laughs) The only one. The one and only Matt. No, that's not true. There's tons of mats. There's so many Matts. The world's <laughs> flooded. So, anyways, guys,
0: this uh, weekend we've got the RPTQ. It's finally here. Um, I have I have been working like crazy trying to prep for this thing, and I'm still not feeling all that confident. So, how are you guys doing? In terms, you're playing in the LCQ, Sean. I right?
2: believe so. Tomorrow? Yeah. If I get if I get the deck built, I'll play the LCQ. Uh, you'll find that the more you play this competitive magic the less you ever feel good about anything that ever happens like yeah getting ready for an rptq especially when you go to like a lot of them and you burn out so many times and throughout them that you just eventually like all right well i'm going to show up and get my promo this will be great so matt and i were actually talking the other day about we talked about this in episode one the most
0: viable path to the pro tour the main thing with the pptq system right now that we were saying that we really just really dislike is that Okay, say you win a PPTQ, you go to a RPTQ, you finally queue. Okay, you have to do good at that Pro Tour or you're off the gravy train immediately. So, because they do not award pro, pro points at all for that method. So, Wait, as said- opposed to if you grind GPs, if you're able to grind GPs, if you make the Pro Tour through there, you usually end up with like seven or eight Pro Points, and you only need a few, and then you you can just skip PPTQs. What are you saying
2: is, if you go to an RPTQ and win it and go to the Pro Tour, you don't get the following RPTQ invite? So if you scrub out of the Pro Tour, you start from scratch. Wrong. You, you, no, you do get the, the RPTQ entire top invite. eight. Well, then yeah. they used to not be, but oh, they took that okay. away. Okay. Uh, this, the thing is, whenever you're trying to get into the Pro Tour, um, and you you haven't gone or you've only gone like once, and you're still getting into that system. You shouldn't go into it with a mindset of like, what do I need to do to become a regular on the pro tour? Um, because you're setting yourself up for disappointment. It's really hard to get multiple succinct back-to-back pro tours. You're really just trying to string together one or two pro tours a year. And if you're doing that, you're doing really well. Because a lot of really successful players that have been to pro tours have top eight GPs, have won GPs, miss pro tours frequently. It's just the way the structure set up. They've made it a lot harder to chain them. Uh, so the difficult part is you have to win a PPTQ and then you have to go run hot and top four or if you're lucky and it's really massive top eight um an RPTQ.
0: If you live in Italy basically.
2: Yeah. And so like that's that's really where you should probably start by setting your your barrier, right? If if you can't travel to GPs, try to win one RPTQ a year. And like that if you can accomplish that, that's a really good accomplishment. There's very good players at DFW who have gone to multiple pro tours and have done decently at some of these pro tours that win one RPTQ every two or three years, right? So it's, to set yourself up with the goal of I'm going to get on and stay on is, is is really difficult. GPs make it a little bit easier, but the new point system on GPs, it's even pros, I've seen them tweeting a lot, but not really sure about where they stand on points whenever the, the change happens. Um, but even pros who go to G, every single GP and go to multiple pro tours struggle to get the free pro tour invites off of their pro points.
0: It's definitely difficult, but I'm, I'm mainly referring to the new... Level that was introduced in bronze. So, if you're able to squeeze together a few pro points here or there, you can just go to the RPTQs every quarter. You know what I mean? Because you only need ten pro points. So, if you're able to, if you're able to do either, like between, like say, say your strategy is, do I want to invest all my money into traveling and going to grand Prix, or do I, you know, want to go to PPTQs? I'm just saying, I think if you can, if you can go to a ton of GPs, I think that's the best way to do it.
2: Uh, yeah, going but, to GPs is, is the best way because if you yeah. if you run hot, you can just get, immediately get a pro tour invite. Um, Bronze is really, overall, is a pretty worthless category. Because, so for example, I've, I've top 32 to GP, you get like two or three pro points. So you have to like top 32 multiple GPs and that's really, really, really hard to do. Like it's easier for you to just go spike a PPTQ that's like 15 to 20 people than it is to top 32 for GPs in a season.
0: Yeah, no, I know it's still difficult and I, I don't want to get ahead of myself e- either because I just need to get there once. I mean, I haven't been at all to the pro tour, so, but I'm just saying like, we're working so hard and then we're going to finally get there. And then you pretty much have to do good immediately, or you're right back to where you started grinding PPTQs again. I'm saying if you, if you are able to do Grand prix, at least you have something to show for it. You have some pro points, and your odds of getting back to the Pro Tour again are better. I feel.
2: Yeah, so. I, I think your biggest gain from if you're able to go to at least a couple of GPs a year isn't necessarily the points or the bronze system, is that it it elevates your play skill, right? Like, yeah, I can tell a difference in my my play skill whenever I've gone to a couple of GPs recently compared to whenever I haven't gone to major events when I've only been playing PPTQs or, or like a team event because I don't really count those as much. Um, and so, if I'm going to GPs and I'm actually playing solo GPs it's not so much the points is that my play skill is a lot more focused. I'm, I'm a little bit more cutthroat. I'm a little bit more like go for the win. Um, I'm, you know, my, my lines are a lot clearer because I'm playing against higher level opponents for a longer period of time. Um, and so you're just getting refined from that route. And I think that's probably your best thing to do is just play really serious magic in your play testing and at events when you can get to them.
0: Yeah, that's true. And, and I agree with that. The skill level is definitely better. You are going to be, you know, facing better competition than you are at PPTQs. And not to mention, if you don't day two, you have another chance uh, at the Pro Tour on Sunday. So traveling to GPs in general is just a a good, it gives you a good probability um, over, you know, going to 60-man PPTQs. I think me and Matt mostly are talking about this because we're just, we're both kind of just we're really sick of the PPTQ grind. <laughs> Um, which Wizards just they just announced that there's going to be an update to the qualification system. We don't know what it is yet, but they have a three step
2: system coming out they have a bunch of different announcements as far as what the system looks like now updates to the system, a new play experience to get to the pro tour. Like there's a whole lot of different steps that they're going to announce soon. We just don't have them yet. Yeah. Um, but the PBTQs are beating and really like, so currently I don't play a PBTQ every weekend uh, for work and for my master's work and things like that. It, it's just not feasible. Um, but when, if you're finding yourself playing a PPTQ every weekend, you should really probably sit down, do your budget and figure out, could I swap out a PPTQ every weekend across a three or four month period for two or three GPs in that same amount of time?
0: Yeah. That's a good point.
2: Yeah. Some seasons are reasonable, right? Like in DFW, there's some seasons where you can actually hit two or three GPs in car rides or like 80 to a hundred dollar plane fares. And so it's achievable. Then there's a season where you're going to look at the calendar and be like, okay, no GP is less than a four or $500 trip, So this is a PPTQ season for me. And so maybe start attacking it that way.
0: Yeah. Anyways, well, we can sit back and complain about the system for forever, but I don't know if that would be that interesting of an episode. <laughs> I'll enjoy it. So <laughs> it would be therapeutic for us. <laughs> yeah. But um, I think uh, a lot of people out there are, they're prepping for this LCQ and for the RPTQ. So this past weekend... We had two standard Grand Prix.
2: Were you guys able to catch any of the, the VODs or the the streams? Uh I didn't watch the streams. I, I reviewed a lot of the lists that um came out from them because yeah. we were doing I was doing the team S C G locally for that that weekend. Um but I mean, it looked pretty standard. It looks like kind of what you would expect out of the format with turbo fog control everywhere. That there's a lot of. It looked pretty standard. Oh, no, I'm, <laughs> uh, I'm not a pun person, so that was by accident. I promise. <laughs> um, but no, it like they, there's just it seemed like a typical cyclical rotation from what we've seen recently on like what popped out. There's just mono red wizards all over the place in LA, and so um, and red black and things like that. So it, it seemed pretty consistent with what we're seeing. I, I haven't seen a new a new standard beast kind of like pop out
0: yeah so the two Grand prix were Los Angeles and Providence so in Los Angeles the guy who took it down is Logan Nettles aka
2: Jabberwocky his content is amazing dude I just found list. out that
0: he streams last night I didn't know I'm like oh yeah I was like he's, he's wait he streams like I've never seen him I don't know why no. I have never seen I've never come across his stream before he's but. almost
2: exclusively responsible for Aetherworks Marvel being banned Really? Yeah, because like that deck had been around, like the pieces for that deck had been around for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, And then he made the really streamlined version of the shell that was just abusing it with El Jazzy, and it got banned like pretty shortly after. But like multiple people picked up for a GP um, after he had streamed. I played it at a GP recently after.
0: I mean, I see his lists all the time. They're always in five O's Jabberwocky this, Jabberwocky Mm -hmm. that, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, so yeah, I, I got a chance to check out his stream last night. He was still playing the exact same 75 from LA. Uh, his black-red list. And so this past week, I took it through about six competitive leagues, and I went 4-1, 3-2, 2-3, 3-2, and 4-1. I think, is that five?
2: I thought you 5-0'd
0: one. I 5-0'd I, I with uh, Wizards oh, cool. in a friendly league. Um, but in competitive leagues, I didn't 5 with black-red at all. So...
2: Which is about you run you run black red because it's kind of like the jund of Stank, it is right yes. like you're not running it because it's by a mile the best deck in the format it's not the most powerful deck in the format it's just a consistent deck that has game versus everything and so this is where we're at I,
0: I think the biggest hesitation a lot of people have in picking this up is because you know you're going to end up facing a lot of mirrors it's everyone's gonna be playing this deck it's just gonna be very very hard to get an edge it's gonna feel like so yeah and
2: you're not like an uh, absurd favorite against anything yeah you're, you're just not. you're slight favorites against a lot of decks and then you're like 500 against a lot of decks you're not really a dog too much yeah um like control can be rough but it's not un- unwinnable i think your worst matchup is probably esper
0: yeah but esper is kind of on the downtick i think more people that are going to go for a control strategy are going to play blue white um, or, you know, blue-black mid-range. Yeah. Um, both of which I feel you're slightly favored towards both of them. I mean, it's it's close. It they're very they're swingy. Yeah. Yes. it's. Um, but Logan's list I've found to be my favorite so far for red-black. For those that don't have it handy, the main difference is that he's playing a lot more limited removal. He's got six removal spells. Straight up just removal spells. But they are... Um, the higher impact ones. He's playing two Rovens, two Unlicensed, and two Upgrade, and then he's also got two Phoenix, two Hazarot, two Glorybringer, three Chandra. So it's it's a it's a list that if you do end up running into green, you're a favorite towards just because of the eight to nine ways of dealing with four toughness creatures mm-hmm. in the deck. Multiple ways to deal with Lira through Unlicensed and double spelling and stuff like that. So
2: yeah, the deck. I mean, the deck is it's just really efficient. It's really strong. Like, like I said with Jondit's. Red Black X, or in this case Red Black Colorless, have historically just been really efficient decks whenever they are given enough strong tools. So they have cards that are very strong, but you're not really seeing, if you watch the deck play, you don't really see turns where you're like, oh man, that was broken, that was insane. Like you're not seeing a million turns off Nexus of Fates, you're not seeing people storm with Mono Blue, you're not seeing a turn two Steely Champion. Everything is just like really consistent and a lot of redundancy in the deck, and so it it ends up putting up rather consistent results.
0: And ultimately, I think this is where I'm going to land. I think I'm going to be playing this. I don't know if I'm playing his exact 75. The sideboard, I'm a little iffy on. A lot of people are saying play Sorcerer Spyglass over insult to injury now. They said that in the game podcast. Both Jerry Thompson and uh, Brian Gottlieb advocated for that. But on Logan's stream last night, he still was saying, hey, I'd, I'd still just do insult. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going to land there.
2: I don't, I don't think you can abuse insult quite as well. Um, and so shutting off to fairy is pretty effective. Whereas like the more low to the ground one and two drop flame of wizard burn decks can abuse insult injury a little bit more, right? Cause you're going to get more spells and more damage off your insult. Um, than you get in the traditional red, black shell as often. Um, but the, I mean, both cards are still really good. It just depends how much fog you're going to expect to see which fog is very much on the downtick right now.
0: It is. I think in the six leagues I've done with, with Logan's list, I've faced it once and, and I had spyglass. I did for that one. I, I replaced spyglass. And it helped me a lot in game two, but then game three, he just, um, Karn's Temporal Sundering, you get to return a permanent uh, in addition to taking an extra turn, so he just did that, and then he went off and I was dead. Yeah. So, I kind of feel like Insult is the better
2: answer overall, but it's a lot more narrow sideboard card, that's the problem. Yeah. Um, If you're expecting people to be off Fog and more on Blue-Eye Control or Esper, then you just want Spyglass. Yeah, I'm thinking maybe I just run like one, like a single value card
0: just with spyglass i don't know well yeah spyglass we'll also
2: has like additional value against the blue white matchup yeah. because since spyglass gets to look at their hand pre-combat you get to figure out how many settle if they have settle sitting up yeah for or if sure. they're keeping open like a glimmer or a counter or gear hulk then you can make your attacks based off of what you could see off the spyglass
0: yeah that's true the information is not irrelevant absolutely for anyone who is going to just pick up red block for this weekend um i'll share uh my study materials that i've used that have been helpful i highly recommend checking out uh logan nettles's uh, stream just go to twitch search for i think is a screen name jabberwocky or logan Nettles. i think it's jabberwocky
2: jabberwocky okay
0: um and he's got a lot of streams like his past three streams i think are all red black you've got about nine hours of content you can watch right there um, so that's been helpful for me. As far as articles to check out, check out Owen Turtenwald's articles on Star City. Those have helped me. Sam Black wrote an article that was helpful. Corey Baumeister, he also did a video for TCG Player on YouTube. It's a little old. Uh, it's post Dominaria Pro Tour, but it's a very similar list. I find it helpful to just think, like, kind of copy his his thought processes with the deck. Like especially in the mirror. The mirror is... Uh, he describes it as just basically a luck fest, but there are ways you can get give yourself edges. In the mirror, a lot of it has to do with how to sideboard on the play versus the draw. Like, Heart of Karen is very bad on the draw. Keep it in on the play. It's very much... You're playing a control matchup, basically, and you want to kill basically kill all of their stuff and play your high-value cards. That's why Chandra is honestly not as bad in the red mirror in terms of like red, black versus red, black as people once used to say, like it used to always be always take out Chandra. Like it's just not good because the board is rarely cleared. Sam If you read his article, he'll kind of go into that a little bit of why, but um, mainly because the mirror post board just turns into a control matchup. You're just, you, you board everyone boards in all the removal and you just end up killing everything. So by the time you're top decking and run, every, both of you are out of gas. You need high impact cards, and cards like Chandra, Phoenix, Hazoret. Those are the things that are going to win you the game. Well, so. and if
2: and if you think about it logically, right? So everybody's bringing removal, and you're trying to tempo each other out. Chandra, the biggest ability out of Chandra in that mirror match is the plus two for two red mana. Yeah, because no, if you're good, both good one point. for wanting and you're able to play two spells in a turn, how is your opponent keeping up? Right. So if yeah. I'm able to go. Glory bringer abrade your thing, or Glory bringer cut your thing, or Phoenix and Chain some combination of those things. Um, then it allows me to have just the more broken, the more broken hands.
0: Yeah. So I, I def- yeah, I think she's fine. Um, some other people are even playing Karn in the sideboard too um, for the Red Mirror. It's not as bad as you'd think, actually. Um, it's for that same reason, like it's just an attrition war. Yeah. Um, and Karn. He's he's a big fat fatty like in terms of loyalty, you know. Like he's going to be at six, and he'll give you card advantage. Uh, just helps you in those attrition wars. Well, I mean, so.
2: I think in that matchup, you're not really plussing him. You're just you're just making constructs. um he, It the, depends on the situation. In mo- so. I would say the majority of situations, because if you're a I don't know most people are seen if you're an attrition war, right? Mm-hmm. Like. The thing, the hardest commodity is having a presence on the board in Attrition War. Mm-hmm. So he he's able to generate that presence on the board. And he's really hard to get off the board if you've been interacting. Yeah. So there's situations where you won't, right? But because they've errated unlicensed or they've they've changed the rules on Planeswalkers, unlicensed disintegration doesn't get to blow him up. Um, and so you're able to make a dude, make a dude, and start plussing for value. And then make a dude, start plussing for value. And so it's this clock that's like if they don't deal with it eventually, you're going to f- have like three or four, four fives. Um, and so it just gets out of hand.
0: Most of the time I've seen people play with him in terms of streams and whatnot. I've seen the first activation will be plus just to kind of get him, you know, a lot of times you're just wanting people to distract them. So a lot of times you're racing in the mirror and if they spend time trying to kill Karn, then you're just going to win the race. But then after that, yeah, I do see a lot of just down ticking, down ticking, down ticking after that. So it really just depends on the situation. Like I think he is a flexible tool. You can use them for either way. Like if it is, you know, you, everyone's out of gas and you're just top decking you top deck Karn, then um, upticking him is probably not a bad idea. Um, gets you, uh, just kind of helps you just sift through your deck and find your your uh, high impact cards that are going to win you the game. So, um, so there's that. So the other top performers from this past weekend in Providence were mono red wizards. Three wizards lists top aided um and i believe you got to run a league on stream with yeah. with the deck a few, few or a few leagues actually
2: I, I streamed two leagues with the deck um i went two and three and two and three didn't go well um one of the leagues i threw a game against blue white when i had lethal and i just used to spell inappropriately and didn't um didn't actually push through for the lethal damage so they're able to stabilize uh the problems i had with the deck and the reason i probably wouldn't run it is it does have a lot of variance um and it it's really easy for your opponents to, to kind of wall you out of the game. So, like red, black opponents, mono, green opponents, a lot of them, there's a lot of Hardikirin starting to pop up slowly again. And so, you'd see your opponents would just go like Hardikirin and they'd just play big things and they would just block you all day and hit you for four and block you all day and hit you for four. Um, and so, you're really counting on your Flame Akeld to represent enough threat um, to make a difference. And so, then you, I had it, one of the best like ways to show the game is I won one game where I like, Turn three, my opponent was at three life because I just drew the nuts opener. um And then the next game, I lost because I go Flame Akeld discarding a mountain for the last card in my hand, draw a mountain for turn, Flame Akeld triggers, draw two more mountains, and then they wipe my board. <laughs> and so, like, Flame Akeld pops, and I draw, I think I drew like a Chain Whirler. So I was able to deal three to them, but I had no creatures in play, and I had no haste, and I had no burn spells. And so it was just like this worthless waste of, yeah. a, of a Flame Akeld. And so the deck has like a lot of variants and variation. Uh, the list I ran did not run, carry uh, uh, Zev, and I feel like with aggro going back up a little bit in the Wizards list, you want flame carry uh, Zev. Yeah, I, I would like, agree. Carry Zev was like a massive roadblock. Every every time I played the mirror, and I played the mirror like three or four times, um, or the red black, I just played various forms of red or red black all night in mono green, and those are all like not great matchups, um, and so. Red-black's not a great matchup. Monogreen's not a great matchup. So I don't think you probably want to run the deck, personally, um, unless there's a lot of control. But if they just play a turn two carry Zev, you're, it's so awkward. Because yeah. now your Vishano Vashano Pyromancer, can't attack. Well, my carrier can't attack. Um, Kenra can yeah. only, you know, menace it once. So if there's multiple yeah. threats in play, now you have to make these decisions. And you just end up sitting there with these guys in play, and you're like, oh, I don't really know what to do.
0: Yeah. So I ran a few leagues with it as well. Um, I did 501 friendly league. Um, I was... That with that version it was the version without mainboard board hazards and i mean i just got really lucky a lot of the time like i was just drawing the nuts like left and right and when the deck does that it feels great mm-hmm. but a, a lot of times the deck has a, a lot of fill bads too yeah. so there's a lot of variants i agree it doesn't so.
2: put you in a position to play out of spots very well yeah and so you're you're really committed to to winning these games quickly i've seen versions of the list where they run like no four drops. They run a million one drops and they're really trying to maximize Flame of Killed. Um, the problem is just now that this deck is such a known co- commodity, a lot of your opponents if they're creature based, they're like keeping themselves back to, to interact. And if they're control based, they're making sure that they're watching for a board wipe of some type. Like they're really digging for that, that settle the wreckage um, to just keep you from gaining value. And it's just really tough to win those matchups.
0: Yeah. I feel like Wizard Red it has a better matchup against Blue White than Stock Mono Red, uh, but I feel it is much worse in the mirror against like just straight Red Black. Like most people I've seen that have had a lot of experience with Wizards have just said that they feel like they're about forty percent.
2: Yeah, Red Black's not red great because of Phoenix. Uh, they have their own Hazarets. Um, you have a lot of one toughness creatures, and so yeah. a lot of the hands you want to keep just die on turn three. Like, so if you're on the draw and you open a hand, you know you're playing against Red Black and it's three mountains and like three one toughness creatures. Do you keep that hand on the draw? Because, I mean, you you know you're probably, there's a, there's a decent enough chance that you're losing all three of those creatures on turn three. So what are you going to do?
0: Yeah. And I feel like, I feel like this this deck is going to be well represented this weekend. I definitely think there's going to be a lot of people on Wizards. Um, and in turn, I feel like there's going to be people that are going to play green in response to that, thinking it's going to be a good medical call. But I still think green sucks. I wouldn't play <laughs> right now. I took I took green through a few leagues too. I've been trying everything this week. I did control. I did green. I did. Uh, I brought back Wyatt Darby's old pro tour list. I updated that, and ultimately, I've just done best, best with Logan Nettles. This list. So. There's actually a great interview with Logan that Marshall Sutcliffe did at the end of GP Los Angeles, and I actually want to play that real quick.
1: How much did you tune this deck? I mean, you have a very strong reputation in the professional magic community for being a great deck tuner. Whenever you 5-0 a league, the pros come like wolves to see what it is that you're doing and what you're dealing with. How much time did you put in on this uh, red-black deck that you won the tournament with?
3: Oh my gosh, like so much time. You, you, went, you honestly wouldn't believe. Like, I feel like I've probably played more games with red-black chain than anyone else on the earth. Um, I, I believe you. I've played you. versions with four soul scar, zero soul scar, four bow mat, zero bow mat, Kenra. I've played all different numbers of phoenixes, all different numbers of Chandra's, s- zero unlicensed, like ju- basically anything. I have played. I tried Karn a bunch, um, but like, and I had like streaks of great success trying those different things, mm-hmm. but in the end, like, this is kind of, at least for me, it's kind of the stock list, and it's exactly what I played at the PT, um, Mm -hmm. except for the two insults on the board. That was the one swap. But, uh, yeah, like, I am not confident in saying that my exact list is the optimal Red Black Chain Whirler because things are always shifting. Um, Like, I have three Chandra's, and two Phoenixes, and Uh you know, that like little things like that are different based on the percentages of what decks are in the metagame. So it's like, it's basically impossible to have a a perfect list, you know? So this is what I'm comfortable with and it's just an insane deck. Like the cards are so good and there's no reason not to play it, uh, at least for me, like, so. I'll
1: tell you what, you should start metagaming against your own list because once we publish this thing, you're gonna be facing it a lot on Magic Online, I'll tell you
0: that. So yeah, as you can see, he's put in a ton of time into tuning this list. Maybe there's a, f- a few flex spots you can change here or there, but
2: for the most part, I feel like his list is a really good starting point. Red Black's the reason. So, I mean, that deck's been, I think, like an absurd percentage of the field at most major events. I don't know the yeah. exact numbers, but I know it's been just it's ridiculous. Just right up there with Cobblade now as far as percentages go. Yeah, it's it's just, it's climbing and it's because, I mean, if you have a deck that's never really truly a dog and it's only ever slightly disadvantaged, but a lot of times it's like a couple percentage advantage. It's like what delay. Jund was when Shards was in the standard. Exactly. That's exactly right. It, it plays out just like Jund, but it has a slightly faster clock with slightly less interaction.
0: hmm Yeah. And it's it's got great sideboard cards too. It's, it's discard package is great. Like, it, it makes it hard for control decks to deal with them. It's just... You know they've they've got a ton of tools and just the most efficient and the most powerful creature curve and format I yeah. think so i I just think, yeah, it might be hard to get an edge here or there in this weekend, but I feel like I'm gonna be disadvantaged if i if I'm not playing the deck, so yeah. I think this is where I'm at, but uh who knows I could do great or I could do really bad you don't you really know <laughs> it's yeah. just gonna depend a lot on the on the draws so. But in terms of preparation and all that, checking out the things I mentioned I think can definitely help. A lot of people when they play red, they think it's just a, um, a an easy deck, a very linear deck to play, but red-black is really not like that at all. It's Especially when you're, you're racing, combat math, trying to figure out um, what can kill you on the crackback. You have to think about your what you can afford to play around, what you can afford to play around. There's just so many different uh, lines you have to be aware of to play the deck efficiently. The red block mirror is is uh, definitely, it takes a lot of skill, I would say. So educating yourself in that, especially, like Cor- like Corey Baumeister's video, especially he, in his uh, his competitive league, he did. I think he went 4-1, and all five of the matches were red block mirrors. So I think there was one mono red list, but... Um, I highly recommend that video if if you're wanting some some uh, research on the mirror. But as far as other decks, is there any other like outlier lists you guys would consider playing this week? Anything I, don't like think
2: that? So. I think you're just running the standard. There's
0: going to be a few people on Blue Light, I would imagine. In terms of Goldfish, Turbofog is still the third deck, but I just have not seen it that much. Esper Control is the number four. I have not seen that much at all recently Um, i've seen blue black mid-range quite a bit actually i think i think that's that deck's going to be fairly represented this weekend so yeah i think obviously red black will be the most popular deck i think wizards probably be second and then some mix of blue black turbo fog blue white will probably and
2: then maybe mono green yeah and then you'll get a couple of one on mono blue storm even though that deck's got a lot of hate right now so yeah and the hate's not even because of the deck it's because of red black so i mean there's there's really not a lot of linear movement that you can make yeah. or a lot of flexible movement you can make, everything's kind of established. And so there's not really a lot of um, areas where you can kind of jump.
0: Yeah. Uh, Logan Nettle, speaking of Mono Blue, he had one person in his stream say that they were playing it this weekend, and he <laughs> kind of... Made fun of them a little bit, saying that he, they should not play it. He said he's he's about twenty six and four against the deck with red black.
2: Yeah, it
0: only takes one to beat it, though. Yeah, I mean, sure. you, you really sure, lean on
2: side because you yeah. know you're not going to combo them out whenever they have a braids and stuff. So you're Wait, leaning on. Psy. Is, this,
0: is this the mono blue storm list or the yep. mono blue flyers list?
2: No, no, no! I'm not talking about the mono blue aggro. <laughs>
0: hey, it's I, not aggro. It's tempo. <laughs> a, hey, in his stream uh, two nights ago, he he played against the mono blue aggro list. There's some weird stuff. He that also played against, against a blue white angels list that five would um, and he lost to it twice. So, hey.
2: But- yeah. They, yeah, angels. Are, angels have a lot of life link on their cards. Yeah, Lyra. Lyra is hard to deal with. Yeah, Lyra mm. and Resplendent Angel. I've seen more yeah. and more fight with fire starting to pack, pop back up in red sideboards. Yeah, it's the
0: Angel list is packing <laughs> Night Splash of Grace. She's blue just for dive down. Banalish Marshall <laughs> four <laughs> dive downs. Dude, those things were pissing. It's, it's mono white off. angels with four dive downs. That's yeah. what the list is. Exactly. Oh dear God. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyways, so that is a lot of uh, the testing I've been doing i know a lot of you guys out there are testing too so i'm actually planning on uh doing a vlog of myself for the rptq this weekend so i'll try posting that uh probably monday and i will share that video with you guys so anyways uh please tweet us and let us know how you do at the lcq and the rptq we hope a lot of you guys have uh good fortune and uh draw well but uh we will see you guys next week. Thank you guys for listening, and have a good week. Good luck in your events.
1: Oh, trigger on the stack. He's going to use a braid. Wow. And now, Ben, in a really, really rough spot. Yeah, this one has really slipped away now. The timely upgrade there from Logan Nettles has primed him for victory. He gets to keep ticking Chandra upwards. That's another thing that Ben Friedman has to worry about: is Chandra's uh, accumulated damage, and then even a potential ultimate, though that's probably not going to come into play here because Logan Nettles is pounding on tons of damage. And look at Ben Friedman's life total; he's down to six. Yeah,
0: And uh, the blue-black Moon range deck—it does not play anything like Bantu's Last Reckoning. So it's looking like I'm—I'm n- I'm not even
1: sure if there's a card think, art I think in we're done here. Yeah, and that's going to do it. Logan Nettles is your GP Los Angeles champion protecting the home turf and taking the 10000 bucks and the trophy home. Congratulations to him. Ben Friedman has that look on his face like, boy, I didn't draw very well, did I? <laughs>